when you are that embodied version of your failures and the things that you've achieved and and all of it just like exists as part of yourself. And it's not, you've gotten rid of a lot of like the shame around that. That's very much like a superpower. Hello, welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and this is your destination for all things growth. Hello, welcome back to the show. I hope that you are doing great and that you are enjoying the seasons changing. I am still in New York and let me tell you, I am obsessed with Park Slope. I have never really spent time here and I am just so into it. I really just like did not expect to love this area so much. It's just so clean. It's so pleasant, enjoyable, this neighborhood vibe and community vibe. I found this coffee shop that I am just obsessed with. And like, I can't get enough of the community engagement. It's called Cafe Regular. The name is apt. Like everyone just like knows each other. The barista knows like everything about everyone's life and everyone knows everything about the barista's life. And like people are coming in from all over the place to just like say hi to each other. There was this couple that just had a baby. Like the baby was like days old and like everyone from the neighborhood was coming to the cafe to meet the baby. And it's just like, I don't know. It was just really, really nice to kind of be in the trenches of a real cute, quaint, familial community in New York. And I'm just a really, really big fan. Also in this area, I came across this incredibly amazing yoga studio. It's a hot yoga studio. It's called HeatWise. Heat, W-I-S-E, HeatWise. And for anyone listening in New York, I cannot recommend this yoga studio enough. I've really done a ton of hot yoga in the city and I am floored by this place. I highly recommend it. There's a location in Park Slope in Brooklyn Heights, I believe, and in the city on Bowery. And I'm just, I really am obsessed. It's like the music is amazing. Every single instructor is fabulous. The sequencing is what's really shocked me is like incredible sequencing. And it's just really, really good. So highly recommend it. So this week's episode is truly such a good one. It's with one of my really good friends and an incredible entrepreneur, Jasmine Garnsworthy, who is the founder of Female Founder Worlds the fastest growing community podcast and media resource for women in business today that I have referenced like truly so many times on this podcast. I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about it. It's really, truly such an incredible resource. It's no fluff. It's extremely valuable. And every single time that I have gone to one of her events, I leave so inspired. My notes app is like full of notes. I have a recommendation or a lead for something that I am looking for for my own business. And it's just one of those things. I feel like I go to a lot of panels for what I do for work and I'm in a lot of those rooms. And so many times you hear a lot of the same kind of generic advice. I would say that Female Founder World is the antithesis of that. Like she doesn't even ask questions that you can find at any generic type panel or podcast. Like she really asks very specific type questions for her community. And I'll get into why she's just like the person to ask those questions but I just really recommend her community, especially for you know entrepreneurial people or just people who have entrepreneurial spirit, even if you're working within a company. I feel like that's a lot of the active ingredient community. I talk about her community a lot as something that's like-minded with ours. There's a lot of crossover and she does so many events. So I'm typically at a lot of them, like when I'm in the city or whenever I'm in a city that she's activating, I will likely be there. 
not only to like support her as a friend, but it's just, it really is that valuable. And I'm really not just saying that, like, I wouldn't be recommending it if I genuinely didn't believe it. I'm not paid at all to say this. It's just really, really good. And I vouch for it completely. Also, her podcasts are just really, really strong. I actually just am finishing up the episode with Lo Bosworth. And I texted her and I was like, this episode is gold. It's really, really good. Lo is the founder of Love Wellness. And it's a supplement business that she started from her apartment. And Jasmine just asked her really, really good, thoughtful questions. So I'll link it in the show here. But yeah, so Jasmine began her career on the editorial side of media, writing for publishers like Pop Sugar, Refinery29, Birdie, and Allure. And in 2016, she channeled her beauty expertise into creating one of the first ever, like truly first ever, if not first, customizable beauty lines called The Buff. And I was so obsessed with it. And recently I got, um, you know how when you look at your archive, you get like a notification of, you know, four years ago, five years ago, I got a notification. I think it was a four years ago of me holding some of the buff in my hand. And I sent her a text and I was like, how crazy is this? Like, this is four years ago. I had your product in my hand. It was a really, really solid product. And while the brand was being covered in publications like Vogue, Allure, Harper's Bazaar, and she was stocked at retailers like Urban Outfitters and Forever 21, she just felt like she lacked the resources and the insights that she needed to take the brand to the next level. So she ultimately decided to shut down the business after doing a lot of soul searching and a lot of inner work. She just felt like it was time. And then she went to go work for UN women's marketing and advertising sector with a focus on fighting for gender equality before she conceptualized Female Founder World. And Female Founder World really is the culmination of all of Jasmine's background in editorial, in consumer startups, and gender equality activism, which has really set her up to be the ultimate authority when it comes to guiding female founders on their journey from like a spiritual, like internal level, and also from a very tangible business level, no fluff type of way. And I'm just really proud to have witnessed her growth throughout the years and see the insanely engaged community she has today. In this episode, we talk about limiting beliefs she had to let go of in order to step into this role as founder and thought leader and tangible tools as to how she did that. I feel like a lot of times we like say, oh, I have this limiting belief or block, but she actually walked us through the actual tools and the places that she went to to actively let go of those beliefs. We get into our views on the media landscape as a whole, getting comfortable, starting wherever you're at and taking every single experience and learning into whatever next thing you're doing, ultimately knowing that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So with that, welcome Jasmine to the show for your second round on here. Jazz, do you remember that you were the first ever guest of Active Ingredient? Can we delete that and... Um, Well, we did delete it, actually. Remember, we did the first episode. Yeah. So Jasmine was my first ever guest and she was so kind to let me do it and also let me delete it because I was like, this was the worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) It was so terrible. And we did it on your couch in your house, in your apartment. We redid it. And I think that second one came out a lot better. But I actually kind of think that it would be fun and different to like put out pieces of the first one if I can find it. I don't know where the hell it would be. Of like, that's what it looks like to actually start. Mm-hmm. 
We should put it side by side. This is like the most professional setup now. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, we're like in studio. I was so nervous. I did not know what the hell I was doing. And it was someone that I was friends with. So like, yeah. I can't even imagine if the first one was someone that like I didn't know at all. Yeah. So first of all, thank you because of you, Active Ingredient started. Oh my gosh, of course. I love listening to the podcast. It's so funny thinking back on the fact that that's how it all got started. Do you remember that you were the first guy? I do remember now that you brought it up. Because I think at the time, like I had started a podcast and then just like deleted it because I was too <laughs> embarrassed by everything. Same thing, except you kept going and I was like, oh no, I can't do this anymore. Like I could, this is too embarrassing. Was it the same theme? Yeah, it was like a female founder world podcast under a different name. I'd interviewed a few founders from Australia, someone who started a business called Glamazon, which was like a beauty delivery service. The founder of... Shopo, which is now like a massive fashion company. I think they're the biggest e-commerce company in Australia. Okay. So hello. I I know. I heard what we were talking about earlier. So there are big companies. There are big companies in Australia, but like I interviewed them and I was just so mortified listening to myself back that I deleted it. And I regret that so much. I'd be so much further along with the audience now if I just like kept with it. And I would have gotten to the same kind of place around not just podcasting, but community and events and all of that, but it would have just built so much more quickly. But honestly, it's part of the process, like putting it out, deleting it, being freaked out of like, who saw it? Who didn't? Like, is it like weird to like stop and start? That's part of it. And I, I even think of with Active Ingredient, I was so insecure and so my whole life I had, I had been like the behind the scenes person. Never in a million years did I think that I could put my face on the podcast art. And I know that right now you're like thinking of rebranding to having your face on it. I highly encourage it. Not even because it's like what people say works in podcasting, but from like a soul perspective, like I'm proud to see myself on it Mm. now where like when I started Active Ingredient, it was so not even in the realm of my thought process. Like people would would tell me, I remember Rebecca Minkoff specifically, like she was rebranding at that time where I was starting Active Ingredient and she was like, you need to put your face on it. And I was like, Never, (laughs) never. Like, I just can't see myself doing it. But I think people that are listening are people that want to do something, start something, or they've started something. And it's normal if you're listening to go through the waves of listening and being like so cringed out at yourself. That goes to anything that you're building. I feel like anytime I put anything out into the world, I'm always just like that moment of, oh, this is so embarrassing. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, why it's, I think why it's embarrassing is like, I do think that there is this cultural thing. Maybe it's gendered. I don't know. But like, you're telling the world, like, I really want this thing really badly. I'm really ambitious. I really want this thing. And I'm really putting myself out there to get it. And when I was like an editor and anytime I put anything out there, it had the stamp of approval of this big masthead and somebody else saying like, this is good enough to be out in the world. And then when you go out and like create it yourself, you're kind of saying, oh no, but like, I am legitimizing the quality of this output myself and I'm saying that it's good enough and I'm saying that I'm like ambitious enough to want to build something myself and that's kind of like cringe it's like sad that it's cringe because it's like so what's needed in order to do it yeah you have you literally have to go through that process but it's so freaking true I actually want to like double click on the hiding behind title or Mm. hiding behind something that has more legitimacy than you. I find myself in those positions even now with clients that have cloudy names and knowing in my soul that like they don't serve me anymore and having a hard time letting go of that. How do you or how have you gone through the motions of being able to let that go and continue to just listen and like march the beat of the drum that you know is true, even if it's not tied to something that is already known? So I think it's like a constant process of iteration. Like I do think that I still do it sometimes. Often with the guests that I have on the show, like I'm very much leaning on, 
oh, I'm the journalist. I'm the person that's just asking the questions. This isn't about me. This is about, like, I don't do really solo episodes on on my podcast because... I'm sure people would love to hear from that reason. I've done one and I was mortified. I was so like, who, who am I to talk about myself for 20 minutes? But also like there have been thousands of hours that people have been listening to me on the show and I'm at the events and I'm in the community and people are always like, yeah, but what's your, how did this start? What's your story? And it took me like two, two years to actually record a solo episode and answer that question. So it's not something that I've like fully closed the loop on for sure. And like you said, my face isn't on the podcast art. I'm not someone who is really out there in that way. And I do think it it holds me back, especially in this like TikTok era of the founder being the face of businesses. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of opportunity there. And I definitely like want the work to speak for itself. But, and like we've spoken about this a lot, but I think something that's really helped me is the To Be Magnetic courses. And I could talk about Lacey Phillips all day. And I love, love, love her programs. Have you done them since I've recommended uh, yeah, it? Yeah, I did them because mm-hmm. of you. She's been in my ether for a really long time. Yeah. I listened to the podcast, but when we spoke, because we've like spoken throughout our career for a really long time. We've been friends for a while. I don't know if you remember the conversation that we had when you were in between. So Jasmine had a company called The Buff mm-hmm. and you had this like female founder world idea percolating. You had a, a deck that you were like showing me and you were like in this crossroads. And I think that at that point is when you actually started doing it or you were like talking about it like more frequently. Yeah. That was around the time that I started doing her. I, I was listening to the podcast and she has a $20 a month membership. And I was like, okay, you know, let's yeah. do it. Let's give it a go. And I started doing her program and working through it. The idea is like neural manifestation or something like, and I was a bit like, you know, eye rolly, but it is legit. And what it's really about is tapping into yourself, actually like listening to intuition, being able to determine what is intuition and what is not and what the right action steps are. And you do it through these like deep imaginings, which are kind of like meditation mixed with hypnosis, mixed with whatever. And it's a little bit less woo-woo than I think a lot of the things that I've done in the past. It feels like really solid and action oriented. And you kind of go through a lot of why do I actually want this thing? Why am I doing this? Am I actually just doing this because of some external validation? Am I doing this because it's what I truly want? Why am I feeling jealous of this person? Why am I feeling these negative feelings about somebody? What is that showing up about me? And it just like really helped me dig through all of that stuff and be like, okay, no, this is the direction that I want to go. Because like you said, I had a beauty brand that I had been working on for quite a few years. We got a lot of press. It was had quite good distribution. And I feel like I had this really great opportunity that I just didn't know what to do with and I didn't know how to ask for help and I felt like I should have known all of the answers and I didn't, I was, every time I asked for help, I felt like quite embarrassed that I didn't know and then the customization space became really sexy and like I had this idea because I'd seen customization in fashion with like monogram bags and I was like, oh, this would be really interesting in beauty and I'd been working as an editor so I'd kind of like seen this movement and a lot of money started coming into the space. You know, guys with robotics degrees started building out these algorithms and doing these like big customized beauty companies. And I was watching it all happening. And in my head, I was like, I should probably raise money. I don't know how to do that. What do I like? I This is such a small business compared to other people's. Like, what do I do? And I kind of just had analysis paralysis and I just like sat there and did nothing. And, and the space changed and the opportunity kind of just like passed me by. And I had so much shame and regret and just disappointment in myself because I've always wanted to be someone who owns a business and grows a business. That's just 
I've always known that's what I've meant to, meant to do. And I had this opportunity that just like passed and this was all like 2020, so much shit happening. And I feel like doing the to be magnetic and like the, this is like literally a case study and testimonial for them, but like doing all of the work through them helped me come out the other side and be like, okay, that was a learning experience. Your identity isn't just that. You can take that story and and do something with it. And it's only been recently that I've actually spoken about that failure and what that felt like. And actually that's what resonates now with the founders in the community of Female Founder World. And I've been able to talk to that. And, you know, I am not somebody who has built a massive successful company. And so I kind of thought, who am I to like start a podcast about entrepreneurship when I am not a hugely successful entrepreneur? But how do you define success? Exactly. But the people in the community who are trying to build something are trying to build something that is generating a lot of revenue. They're trying to build something that is like super like visible in the public, that they have a lot of impact and a lot of customers. And I haven't, I feel like I haven't done that. And so I was like, who, who am I to be creating this community and starting this, starting this podcast and doing these events? But I actually think through like understanding my story and owning my story a little bit more, I'm actually like the perfect person to do that. I think I'm actually coming to it from the point of most people who are in this journey and able to speak to people who have that experience and pull out the learnings that are actually resonating with the community because I am someone who has been exactly where they are and I am curious about it. And like, I do have this, like, I really fucked up. Like, let me figure out how you can not do that. <laughs> like, let's not let this opportunity pass a you thousand by. thousand percent. And I also think like a layer to that is why not you? I feel like so many times we're like, well, I don't have this credential or mm-hmm. I don't have this like thing. Or I mean, I find myself in that all the time too. And it's like, why not? Why can they do it? And I can't. Totally. Back to the to be, to be magnetic stuff, which I do now also because of you. Yeah. Super helpful. But like really understanding like where did where that did seed come, come mm-hmm. so that you can look at it and reframe it in a way that's like serving you a little bit more because we're really the only thing that is stopping us from getting to that level. But like literally, why not you? As you're saying, you are the perfect person for it. I can't think of anyone better suited to do it. But like we all go through these motions of like for a while and sometimes longer than it needs to be Mm -hmm. of not seeing that so clearly. I'm so happy that you're at a place now where you see that. But I know that it had to have been really, really hard to let go of something that you worked really hard on. So I do want to get into that whole process because I think so, so many times like when we start something, we feel attached to it. We feel like, like you said, embarrassed or shamed to let go of it. And coming to that decision has to be really hard. So I want to hear how you finally got there, what the steps were, what you felt. Like, I don't know if you can like tap back into like that feeling of, did you announce it? I did. Yes. Way after I'd made the decision though. Okay. So like walk us through what that looks like. And like, if someone's listening, that's like, I've been at this for a long time, because this is another hard thing I find to distinguish is like, we live in a society where everything like is so fast and we really need to practice delayed gratification, especially when building businesses, like shit takes 10 years. You know what I mean? But like, how do we know the difference between something that is simply not working versus when it's time to, if it's not working or when you push through to get to that next milestone, Yeah, you know? So I can speak to my experience and also just what I've learned from interviewing all of these women who have also done this. So there's like two ways of looking at it. Like the numbers weren't working in the business. Like it, it had to get to a, a certain like point, a certain scale for the unit economics to make sense. There's that kind of piece. Like meaning that you were not making money from it? Meaning that I or was flat. not making enough money okay. from it. Margins in beauty are pretty good, but customer acquisition is also like pretty expensive. And I was just feeling like 
the initial excitement over what we'd created had kind of like passed. There were other brands that were doing this customization thing really well. It wasn't enough of a point to differentiate what we were doing. And I think if I was a different kind of person, I probably would have been able to just like keep building on the brand and building like a beauty company. But to me, I was kind of like, there is so much, so much beauty shit out there right now. There's so much happening in the space. It is so crowded. I actually don't have anything that I'm really excited to like bring to the market. So I don't want to just create, I could just create like a moisturizer and a whatever and like a product line and do the playbook of like the influencer marketing and and paid ads and whatever and like probably build something. But I just didn't feel like it was something that needed to be in the world and I couldn't make myself do it. And I didn't have the conviction in like putting out more money. I didn't, I wasn't excited by the idea. And so I think that's the key. I see like brands like you're working with IOTA mm-hmm. now and they're doing the microbiome. Like that piece is really exciting and yeah. it's new and, and it's innovative and it needs to be out there. And I just wasn't feeling like that. And I just didn't have any good ideas. And I feel like if you're somebody who has, I've thrown a lot of shit against the wall to see what sticks mm-hmm. in terms of entrepreneurship. Same. Like I've tried different stuff Same. and you get a good gut check. For like, <laughs> is this a good idea? Do people want this or not? And also just being in the space and seeing things launch and close and whatever. And I just wasn't excited enough about it anymore. And I just had to like trust that intuition of I'm still in this because I'm afraid of what people are going to think when I actually say, hey, this didn't work out. And I also had lots of conversations with people like you. I spoke with different informal kind of mentors about throwing around different ideas and I did feel a lot of pressure to say, okay, I'm closing it down, but hey, look at this other thing that I've done, which I think a lot of people do. They're like, I'm not doing this anymore, but look at this other thing, this other thing that I've launched. And so I think I waited until Female Founder World had got a bit of traction. And then I announced that I'd closed the business, even though I hadn't been taking orders for a really long time. We'd been sold out. Like people knew the business was closed, Mm. Um, but I didn't really like announce it, announce it until I had some traction with Female Founder World purely because of that pressure of I want to be doing something and what are people going to think? Yeah. The trick is remembering it because a lot of times I forget, Mm. but that people really don't think about anyone but themselves. they don't care. They really, really don't. And it's like for anyone who is just like, just going after something that does not excite them anymore. Mm. I want this conversation to kind of like give people permission to just like think that there's a way out. And I want to know, I'm sorry, like I'm like harping on it, but like once you made the decision, once you like came to it, how long did it take? Like once you started to like doubt it and you were like, eh, like this isn't like feeling right anymore. Like what did that actually look like? And then how did you dissolve it? So I started having feeling of like, this isn't working and feeling like quite depressed about it. I think it was like a good year and a half, honestly, of trying to make it work. And so many things happened that just constantly pointed me in the direction of like, this is not it. This is not the thing. But I do think that experience is what I needed to have Mm -hmm. to be able to do what I'm doing now. So 2020, our lab and fulfillment partner, and it was a customized brand. So the fulfillment process is very specialized. It's hard to find people to do it. They had a partnership dispute and closed. And that was mid-2020. And then my husband lost his job and we lost our visa in the US and we had to leave. We couldn't get back to Australia. And so like there was all this stuff going on. And at that point I was like, I actually just like need to earn stable money. I can't be putting money back into the business because like I, we need to live. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like we're, we're out of this country. We have a mortgage in New York and we have to pay rent somewhere else. And like that was like a reality. And so I started taking on some like consulting work. I worked with the UN for a year. And at the same time was in the background, just like trying to figure it out and like 
in that time, TikTok really took off and so many new beauty brands started and I started to feel like it was less and less relevant. So I think it was like a year and a half. And then I had really like thought of all different iterations of what the what the brand could look like before I decided that I wasn't going to do it. And then in terms of like closing it, we had, I had like a restock alert on the website for a while. We were gathering email addresses that way. So if I ever, you know, in case I ever like changed my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I just announced it on the Instagram. That's literally what we did. That was it. I feel like the big takeaway from that is the excitement piece. Yeah. I don't think you're, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel extremely excited every single day. I don't know if you feel like extremely excited every day. It's like degrees. Mm. But I think that if you're chronically not excited about something, I think that it might be time to like consider it not being it. Yes and no. Like I do also think that there are just times when like you're not excited by your business, but like you have to just stick it through because at some point you're like, other people are depending on you for their income and you've gone so far and whatever, but you do need to have a level of this still being excited about, I think like the opportunity and the growth and actually building the business, even if it's not necessarily every day, the content of the business excites totally. you. Because we a do like, percent. especially you, like you're someone who like has like very much this growth mindset. Like yeah. you are going to be a different version of yourself every year. Mm-hmm. And like your business isn't always going to be a reflection of like who you are in that moment. Totally. So you need to be able to- No, like, no, you know how I feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not excited about things all the time, but I feel like the chronic, like every day that there's nothing about it that excites yeah. you. Yeah, I feel like... You also have to be able to read the room. Like, are other yeah. people excited about it? Totally. Totally. Okay, so you discover to be magnetic. You do all mm-hmm. of this work. Mm-hmm. What is something... Also, which, Lacey by the way, Phillips, can you please get me on your podcast? Because oh, yeah. No, a thousand percent. I want to talk about this with them. It is so powerful. It's like actually insane. The first time that I started to do it, it feels like you're subconscious is like, it just becomes a little bit more fluid. It's, mm-hmm. It feels like things are just like starting to come up. And recently I've been having more memories come to me that I'm like, wow. And yes. I've been in therapy for a long time, but like, I think that like actually doing subconscious work and like sitting there, it really kind of just like loosens shit up, you know? Yeah. yeah. In the loosening up and like being able to just kind of like reframe that or like be a resourced person that can see things in a more direct way is so freaking useful. And I see such a transformation in you. I genuinely do. Like I really, I hope that you feel me when I say that. Like I really, really do in you. I want that for everyone listening to this podcast. That's literally the point why this mm-hmm. exists. So I'm curious, what is one thing that you feel that you unlearned or something that like you really feel like you had to reframe and get a hold of that has set you up to like really build this in such a aligned way. I think I always thought I was really bad with money. And I think this is something that I've had as a recurring theme. And I think a lot of, I hear this from people in the community, in the female founder world community, a lot. They're building businesses and maybe they're brand people. They really understand their customer. They're excited about the product, but they're like, yeah, I'm not really good at numbers. I'm a creative person. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a creative person. I'm not good at numbers. Like I'm just going to get someone else to do that. Or eventually like I'll just build something that's so amazing. So many people will love it because I'm so excited about it. And like the money will come kind of thing. Whereas actually like, oh, like I'm not disciplined with money. It's like, well, I'm literally disciplined in every other part of my life. And why can't I understand the numbers? And actually there is a lot of creativity there when you start like digging into it. And that was like a big thing that I think I also unlearned and just like the ability to like take myself a little bit more seriously as like a business person, even Mm -hmm. if I haven't built something massive, massive, massive. That's definitely something that I've come through in that, through those deep imaginings and through that like inner child work. It sounds so woo-woo, but it's 
legitimately it's, it's a thing. Necessary. Yes, it's necessary. And it, it goes back to like, where did you first learn those things? Why did you internalize that? And I literally have memories of being a child with the money box and like not having enough money in the money box to like buy the thing that I wanted and all of these kind of things and how that like compounds through different experiences in life and then becomes part of your identity. But you can shift that. You can totally shift that. That's the coolest part is that it's plastic. Yeah. And that you actually can. And like with repeating tools or just like knowing what the tools are that serve you and really prioritizing them, you actually do change it because otherwise that little unresourced kid is the one that's guiding. It's yes. the one that's running the show. Yes. I think like just doing the doing those courses just made me more, you're just like so much more self-aware and you really realize how much is just a, a choice that you've made and something that you haven't like, and that you can actively like choose not to be that. Mm-hmm. And it makes it sound like I've come, you know, I've come out the other side and like everything's fine. Like, no, I still do these all the time. That's That was another question is like, is this a daily practice? So I'm not doing it every day anymore. Like I have a little baby and I don't do anything every day anymore. I don't, you know. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do still do them regularly. I've gone Do you do them through. when you feel like triggered or when you feel? Yes, I do the trigger okay. ones all the time. Like there are certain people that definitely trigger me. I'm definitely somebody who's like quite competitive and can get quite jealous. And when I feel those feelings, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's just the world showing you that you want this thing and reframing it. It's like, is it a trigger or is it just the universe showing you that that's something that you can have too? It's an expansion. You can have that as well. And don't like, it's turn that negative feeling into action and like, and I'm really um, working with that. That was one of the biggest learnings that I think in my adult life yeah. I've had is like a same. I also can run jealous or I had ran jealous because yeah. I didn't understand that really what it was is like it's reflecting back in me something that I know to be true in me mm-hmm. that I know I have the capacity mm-hmm. to achieve yeah. or to like have be part of my reality. Reframing that has just liberated me so much and like actually being grateful for that person yes. existing because totally. they're like guiding me to the thing that I know to be true in me. Yeah. And like leaning into it. And actually like running towards that and consuming more of that rather than shying away from it and just being like digging into why that negative feeling is there and it's actually there because you want that. A thousand percent. You're a new mom. How has having your perfect little boy changed? He's literally perfect. How has becoming a mom kind of shifted your perception and all of this inner child work and like Mm -hmm. understanding now seeing this little human. I know, it's crazy. What these early experiences, like the impact that it has and how your life turns out. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm 12 weeks, I'm 13 weeks in or something now. So like we are still very much figuring everything out. But having him is the ultimate lesson in empathy. I think like when they're crying and they're upset, especially when they're absolute newborns and they've come out of literally the perfect, they are in a neutral temperature they don't have to eat. They don't have to sleep. Like everything just like happens. And then they're thrown out into the world. And it would just be, it's a miracle that these babies don't cry or scream all the time. And I think just like reminding yourself of like this, this little being is is genuinely terrified. And it, it, it makes you really feel pure like empathy around that experience. It's traumatizing. I can't remember your question. No, just like how how being a mom, like we're talking about all this TBM work and like all of this, like oh, going back to like these yeah. like root root causes. And obviously like Sebastian is like a, an actual infant. And, <laughs> so and also like you're not there yet. Obviously I'm going to do a perfect job and he will have no. No, ob- and like I know that that's not the case either for me or for anyone. Like we're yeah. all just doing our best, but like we're so much more resourced now. We have so many more tools. Like how yeah, yeah, do yeah. you think about knowing like the impact that that, 
the early years have on how you do, like, is it going to change the way that you speak to him? Is it changing like your view of yourself because of the way that you see through his eyes? I think what has changed is like actually more my view on like my parents. And so I think that there's a lot of, you can very easily, when you're doing this kind of inner child work, you can very easily go into this mindset of like, this thing was done to me, therefore, not my parents were awesome, but like, you know, this thing happened to me, therefore it's their fault or whatever. Like you can definitely get into the blame thing, but like having a baby and I'm older than my parents were when they had that, you know, they started a family and like, I'm in a much different place in my life. I'm kind of like, this is like really hard. You actually know nothing. <laughs> like you genuinely know nothing and everyone is doing the best that they can. Yeah. So I think it's like more like changed my view on like parenting and actually how humbling this whole experience is and how imperfect you're going to be at everything. Okay. I love it. <laughs> all right. So I feel like you've taken all of these learnings. You really are the most perfect person to be at the helm of a company like Female Founder World, which is by the way, and I see so many media companies, it's just so fascinating to me to see the level of which people engage with your community. It is insane. I guess like with this whole process, what has been one of the biggest learnings in doing it once you decided to step into this role? What did you change about how you stepped into this role versus how you stepped into the buff? Mm. And yeah, what's been a really big learning from doing Female Founder World? And what is it for anyone who doesn't know? Female Founder World is a community and media business for women who are building consumer brands. And we do events. We have an online community space, newsletter. We have media products and the IRL like experiences. And the one thing that I've learned, I do think that it feels more like authentic to my to who I am in my being than the buff. I'm somebody who loves media and content and brand. And so like obviously to start a media and content business instead of a media and content business and then try and sell a product on the back of it and have to worry about all of that stuff. So it definitely feels like more a very true, honest expression of myself. I also think that I'm able to show up in the business in this way of like my past failings are like very much a strength. And it sounds like such a cliche, but it's so true. Like the things that I fucked up in the past are the things that actually like make me somebody who can speak with empathy and like actually dig out the information that people want to know. And ask the questions that everyone has. Yes. Rather than being somebody who maybe hasn't tried it, hasn't mm-hmm. been in the, the arena or has had like a huge exit and is super successful and they have a totally different approach to this as well. So I think it's like the big learning there is like once you actually like are able to integrate all of those parts of yourself and show up with that. And it's shit that I've listened to on podcasts my whole life. And like, I I knew it in a intellectual way, but actually like when you are that embodied version of your failures and the things that you've achieved and, and all of it just like exists as part of yourself. And it's not, you've gotten rid of a lot of like the shame around that. That's very much like a superpower that you're, if you want to show up publicly in the world and like connect with other people, that's the way to do it. 1000%. It's not like it goes away when you do this work. It's not like these like yeah. old thought patterns like no. are gone. So when they pop up, are there like active things that you do to keep yourself integrated or to like love the parts of yourself that you know like could be shadow or could be like just old things? Yeah. I think I do still have like thoughts around, oh, it's not big enough yet. Like I want it to be bigger and and seeing people and they're like, oh, I know like, I know what you're building. I know this. And I came to an event or my friend recommended the podcast or, and seeing it out in the world. And, and people assume that what I've built is a lot bigger than what it is in terms of like revenue. And I honestly, I, I think it's just being really upfront of like, yeah, this is the amount of people that we read. You know, the newsletter is 20,000 people. The community is X. Like we've got a 52% open rate, being proud of certain things and being like, 
we're on our way to something really big. Maybe we're not there yet, but just being like really comfortable in knowing that like I'm building something really big. We're not there yet. That's totally fine. And I can just like own it and where we are. Yeah. So while doing Female Founder World, what is something that you're noticing be like the biggest pain point for founders today? So funding is a really big issue. Definitely. I mean, we're a community of women building consumer businesses. Like the landscape is tricky out there at the moment, but also, you know, we know that less than 2% of venture capital money goes to companies that are solely owned by women. And that is a problem. But aside from funding, I also think that there is this real like tension slash opportunity of showing up as the face of your brand on TikTok and I think that for some for some female founders, they can feel a lot of pressure to show up really visibly. And they're seeing guys like building these massive companies that you don't even know who the founder is of that business. And they're very much like on the back end. And it's like this tension of the opportunity, but also it's taking you away from other parts of the business and like how to show up in that way. Um, and then it's also just, I think a lot of women's media content around business is, has been very watered down for a really long time. I don't think there is a lot of super tangible tactical stuff out there. I think it can get like kind of fluffy. Yours is not at all. I'm no, not saying not. this is your, my friend, but like, it's so valuable. It's so ch- tangible. The Geneva group chat, it's like, if you have a question, it will be answered. Yeah. So for the funding piece, I'm actually curious, like, what are your thoughts? Like, I, I, I think that there's not one route to do it. Like, I feel like people forget that you can go to your bank. You could open a credit card. Totally. And also like, if you can bootstrap a business, like every founder that I've spoken to who has done it, it's just like bootstrap the business if you can. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But it is a big piece for a lot of businesses that have been able to scale quickly in a really big way. They've yeah. been able to get a lot of funding. So yeah, there are other ways to do it. Um, I just think it's, you know, as we get more women who are making these big, big exits and they're reinvesting back in the community, we have more female investors, female-led VC firms. Like that's what we need. Yeah, It's wild speaking to people who have built these massive companies. Like I spoke with Jacqueline, the founder of Pepper, and she started a bra company for women with small boobs, like A&B Cup, which is me. And you can, it's really hard to find bras that fit. Like they gape, they're uncomfortable, they're padded, like whatever, or they're like little bralettes, like Mm -hmm. they're not proper bras. And she was trying to raise money. And imagine trying to explain that pain point to a like room full of male VCs. And she's built something really big in spite of that. And so, you know, people are doing Kickstarter, people are going for grants. You just have to get so much more traction, I think, as a female founder before you can get that money behind you. Mm. But it's Which possible. Unfo- people are doing unfair, it. Unfair, but it's like... unfair. Yeah. 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 Totally. But we can't we can't stick there, guys. We can't no. stay in like the unfair mentality. It's just like there are ways. Totally. And we've spoken about this as well in yeah. the past where it's like, how much have we just spoken about this again and again and again? So we're just like perpetuating the same thing. But it's also this real thing that people are experiencing. Totally. Totally. So with the point of social media and like being the face of brands, especially like the pressure as women, where do you stand on that? Like, what's your philosophy on it? Do you have a take? Yeah. I'm someone who's trying to build a media business that is not based on me as a person. And that's something that I'm really struggling with because I do think that a lot of media businesses now, I think they're built around personalities with cult followings. A lot of podcasts are blowing up and then they're building full media businesses on the back of that. People on TikTok are doing the same thing. And I'm someone that has struggled with that. And I don't want to necessarily build a media business that is like fully centered on me. But at the same time, like there's a lot of opportunity there for me to show up in a really visible way. And then once we get to a certain point, then like be bringing in other people to like maybe explore other niche communities that we can do to serve like a similar customer. I'm interested in like 
testing out new platforms. So like, you know, I went on TikTok and was able to get like 7,000 followers. And once I got there, I was like, okay, like I can do this, but like, I'm not super interested in doing this. Didn't lead to heaps of new email acquisitions. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, it's not like it led to like email acquisitions. The podcast listener numbers didn't boom. It wasn't getting to a point where I was able to get ad revenue in. And so I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't really it for me. So I'm kind of now focused more on the female founder world account and hiring someone to do that. And maybe TikTok's not my vibe. It's ish. Like we're figuring it out, but like, I don't necessarily want to be the full personality and face of this media company. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to shy away from it because of like any fears that I have around showing up. Like it actually needs to be like the right decision, not just me being afraid of showing up. That delineation, man, yeah. of figuring out what that is. Yeah. It's, it's like, what is fear and what is intuition? I don't know. That's practice. the constant practice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. What else is happening with Female Founder World? Are there events coming up? I, sh- I don't know if you listen to the episodes that I shout you out, but I shout out Female Founder World oh God, all the time. My, I hear you mention us all the time. I really do because I feel like a big conversation that you and I talk about a lot is this loneliness pandemic that we're mm-hmm. having and people really wanting to find community and people that are just like-minded. So I really do talk about Female Founder World all, all the time because the events that I've gone to, I just, first of all, I meet like at least 10 people. It's oh, like good. insane. And it really is a group of like-minded people. Yeah. And I'm curious for anyone listening, are there events coming up in, and if so, in what cities? Yes. And what's next? Yes. Okay. We've got lots of events coming up. We have lots coming up in New York. We're doing, haven't announced dates, but we do have one coming up this Friday, probably too soon for when this yeah. podcast will come out. <laughs> this will have passed, but it's coming up Friday morning. We've got Lloyd Bosworth and like 50 people, very intimate. It is a free event at Chill House which I'm also just like so proud to be able to put on these free events. And like, imagine you're someone who is just starting a beauty company and you can be one of 50 people at an event and speak to Lou Bosworth and like get that mentorship. Like that is so valuable. A thousand percent. Actually guys listening, I'm going to put a question on the Active Ingredient Instagram account. Do you guys prefer like big produced events Mm -hmm. or do you prefer small like niche ones? It's got to be small niche. I know Jazz and I have like this hunch, but I'm curious what you guys actually think. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like small events could intimidate people, Mm. but I think there's a sweet spot when it's like big enough, but small enough that you actually like have communication with humans, you know? Yeah. I mean, there needs to be a space if you, if you don't want to be put on the spot and like have to like, I hate that people are like, what's your name? Totally. Don't make people do that. Don't make people do that. But give people opportunity to do that. So there's, there's definitely like, leave it open for questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we also have an event coming up in London. Our first event coming up in August, which I haven't announced yet. Um, we're finalizing like our speaker and details, but that'll be happening probably on the 9th of August. Oh my gosh, we have another one coming up in September in New York, and I'm trying. I want to do one in Miami. We're getting a lot of people asking Just. for Miami, so like that needs should to we happen. Collaborate on one. Yeah, I think do we should. active ingredient female founder I world. Think we should. Okay, let's talk. Let's sideline because yeah. I'm actually like super excited and have an idea of where. Okay. And then we have to talk about this because you and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on media these days? What's mm-hmm. working? What's not? What are we over? What is actually like showing traction? Are like the Forbes, Vogue's, Harper's, like, are those still important? What do you think? This is a like billion dollar question. I would love, love, love to have like a clear answer. And I could talk about this all day. This is my favorite thing to talk about at the moment because it's so interesting. So when you think about these big like mastheads as being mass media and discoverability and search, like that is TikTok now, right? Like that is whether it's media companies or individual people, like that's happening on TikTok and these platforms. That is where the mass media is. And so really like the only other opportunity for media businesses is to like really niche down and go deeper, I think. 
I don't know how you scale something like that, but like that is what I'm interested in. I'm really interested in, okay, we've got one niche community now. It's a very certain type of person who's in that space, but like they're also interested in beauty. They're also interested in style. They're also interested in like pop culture and entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like how do you build a multi-vertical niche media business? I don't know, but like that's what I'm really interested in You know who I think is like leading the charge in that in a real, real way where I've never seen anything like that in my life is the morning toast. Mm. They are like from a media perspective, just like the subgroups are so insane. And like you're saying, like they cross pollinate, like the New York crew is also like maybe the acne girlies. Yeah. But like they're one and the same, like you can live in New York and have acne. You know what I mean? They're definitely one to look at. I mean, they've been leading the charge for a while, but Check it's them the same out. as like, you know, you would be somebody who read Birdie, but you'd also read Who, What, Where. Exactly. Like those click media brands, like they did all of those verticals for a reason. They verticalized it so that they can have certain sponsors for each of it. Like it wasn't necessarily a different customer, I don't think. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But do you think that like as like putting your business hat on, like if you were the founder of The Buff or like had a physical product company, how important do you think it is to be in publications and have that level of cred- credibility? Yeah, I think that... And this is something that I've learned from you. Like when I think about my user journey of being somebody who is purchasing something, I still will Google it. Like maybe I'll search on TikTok now as well, like for ideas, but then I'll probably want to like get some stamp of approval from somebody that I that I trust mm-hmm. or something that I trust. And right now the way that I would search that is to be like, did this beauty brand get on Allure's best of beauty? Like I, that's something that I would look for. So I think for for that, like part of it, but I don't think it's where I'm going to discover things. I think it's where I'm going to validate things. I don't know if that's going to be the way forever. Like maybe in the future, I will just go to a certain like beauty podcaster and that's the person that I'll validate it through. Trust is what is going to lead the way. I've said this, like I really, really mean it. Trust and like having levels of, I don't love like credibility or credential, like gatekeeping, Yeah, but like really if you've built a level of trust with the community and like they know your standards and like they know that time and time again, the recommendations that you're making are at a certain degree. Yeah. That is what's going to win above all else. And I, I, I fear with the way that media is moving with affiliate. And I, I said it in the, in the intentional PR and brand building episode, affiliate PR is literally the only way to compete in product press. Like it's Uh really insane. And as someone who also has a physical product right now, I I feel so conflicted because I also have a media business with Active Ingredient and this is a no affiliate zone, Mm -hmm. 0%. And I will never have affiliate Mm -hmm. on this platform, period, because I care about trust more than anything. But as a founder of a physical product company, I'm getting on affiliate because in order for my brand to succeed, it has to be on it. But it sucks because it's like, I I see these other media brands and I'm like, I know that you have to do this from a business standpoint, but where are we going? Because- this can only go for so long in my eyes. Totally. And like, I just think in general, the mass media model is antithetical to actually having, tr- building trust. Like you, you can't be writing 50 stories a day about the best beauty products and then also be a trusted source on what the best 1, beauty products are. Cause there just aren't that many. Whereas when we were doing a monthly edition of Vogue or a monthly edition of Allure, like they actually had tried and tested and these were probably like the best products that they recommended and, and tried. And so editors were a trusted source and a trusted gatekeeper. But they have credentials. So like that, I think is a cool hybrid way to do it where like they really do have a certain level of like 
things that they need to hit per article. Yeah. Like they need to have a certain amount of researchers that have contributed to that article. Yes. They need to have a certain amount of like data that's behind certain things. But you have so, to do that. Otherwise, like... Other- otherwise it's a blog and it's not totally. journalism. Yeah. But not a lot, like not a lot of these like massive names that we know are not doing that. And it's, it, it just scares me. And again, it keeps the rich man winning and the mm-hmm. poor man losing because you have to have money in order to get yourself on affiliate. You have to have margin to be able to give to these media companies once they do feature you. Yeah. So I just like urge people that are like buying things or like trying to think of where they want to spend their hard earned dollars. When you're looking at roundups and like it sucks, but it's like, it's only from Amazon. There's a reason. Yeah. And that's where it, what sucks. And I yeah. hate it. Yeah. And I'm someone who works in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's, yeah. Mass media is not the future. It's not the way it's going. It's absolutely not. Mm. I'm excited to see where it does go because I do think that like with all this TBM stuff and like with mm-hmm. the way that we're all awakening, our standards are higher and it's going to take more trust, like I said, to get us to really like believe in something. And I think it's going to weed out a lot of the fluff. Yeah. What are some like places and spaces that you trust right now? I listen to your recommendations on the podcast oh, all the I time. Like I take seed probiotic now because if you, oh, you really? know what I mean? Do you use Code Active? Pardon? Do you use Code Active? I think for the first oh, month. Oh, to sign up? Yeah. yeah. That was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's the best probiotic that exists. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not, I don't have time to research this. Sophie said it's great. <laughs> like, I'll buy this. That sounds good. And I trust the to be magnetic community. They do recommend things all the time. I started using Beekeepers Naturals products because of their recommendation. Honestly, like a lot of word of mouth, like coming through friends, I feel like is kind of where I'm getting a lot of my recommendations at the moment. I'm doing a lot of like mom stuff, like buying a lot of mom things is based on like communities that I'm in. And it goes back to that niche community piece. Like, being recommended from, you know, I'm in this mom's community called Misha, which is for a lot of like a lot of entrepreneurial women in there. It's a really, really amazing space. And Marika, the founder, is like very active in facilitating those groups. And she has a lot of recommendations. She's always in there giving her recommendations. And like, that's the person that I'm trusting. You know, she's been in this space for ages. She is authentically, genuinely in this community and cares. She has kids. Like that's the person that I'm trusting for that kind of recommendation. Mm -hmm. So it's very much down to like individuals and personalities and community builders and communities where I'm getting recommendations. Speaking of community, you are now offering a community creation or like how how would you say what it is? So we started... Also, what is wrong with me? I started doing this in like January this year, like two weeks before my baby was born. <laughs> no, I thought there was something wrong with the... <laughs> no, 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 no. Nothing wrong with the screen. What no, is, yeah. What is wrong with me? I Is it true that you get like a surge of creativity when you're like very pregnant? I don't know. I did. I had like... I also think that it's old, like where this is a whole other tangent, but like we're very conditioned to think that your career is over when you have a baby and therefore like get all of the things done before the baby comes because you'll never do anything ever again. And that's just not been my experience at all. No, uh, I, can, I can tell. Yeah, can you tell? <laughs> uh, that's not been my experience at all. And anyway, so I started a, I started an agency. I think we started talking about it in like no, November, December mm-hmm. last year. I had this idea for a community building agency where it is building community in its truest sense. Like in my view, community is not 
your Instagram comments. Community is not like your TikTok followers. That's not community. Community is a um, really intentional closed space where people are gathering around certain topics. It is not something that is around one personality or one person. It is peer-to-peer. Like, and that is like a very specific thing to try and craft. And so I've obviously built this for Female Founder World. We're looking at doing it in maybe other categories. I don't know. But we've started offering that service to brands as well. And we have like a you know, we just got like one client right now, which Guys, is enough client, now, but he's a really, they're a really big one. It's a, a really big one. one. We all use it. Mm-hmm. We just can't say what it is. We can't say what it is. I signed an NDA. <laughs> so we're building these like closed communities in a really intentional way for brands as well, which I think just like makes sense when I look at what a lot of, for example, like uh, media businesses that are more mass and have been built on video, they also offer video content creation as part of their agency offering. Mm-hmm. So it made sense to me that we're also doing this because it is like a more consistent form of income and revenue. Yeah. And like we've learned and centralized all of these skills. So like let's also amplify it, amplify yeah. them. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I hope that we do this again in another, yes. hopefully not as far as five years. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe I can have some more lessons around like parenthood for you because at the moment I'm just like, yeah, I know nothing. Maybe we do like a segment that's like quarterly yes. and we do like catch-ups. <laughs> You know, like there's certain people that I just like like to talk to. Yeah. You're I one mean, of that's them. why we're friends. I know, but it's like, I feel like, and I say this all the time, like so many times with like good friend conversations, I'm like, this is, this would have made it such a good Totally. Podcast. I think all the time too. Yeah, man. It's so true. Well, thank you so much for coming. Is there anything else that you want to share with Active Ingredient Listener? Our crew is like fucking amazing. Like yeah. they're really, they're seekers. They are entrepreneurial spirited. If they're not entrepreneurs, like they just mm-hmm. like have that like hunger to try something anything that you've learned from TBM or anything in just like life that you want to share with them that you feel like you know to be true that you wish that they knew? Okay. So I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. I'm actually just going to give a book recommendation because oh, we just yeah. spoke about it. Oh my God. I listened to it and on I the way here. And I think that I actually was recommended this book through Marika, the creator of Misha, this mom's group. I need to and meet I this Mika that, girl. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll okay. love her a lot. I think that I discovered this book for you. And so it's, so excited. yeah, it's called... Buy back your time. Buy back your time. Buy back your time. And it is all about how we get to a certain point in our businesses and we burn the, like drive them into the ground or we sell or we don't want to do it anymore because you've actually built a business that you don't want to work in. And this is all about like properly delegating so that you can create a business that you want to be in forever. And that that is the true, that is the true sign of like a successful business is it having built something that can like sustain you and support you and that you enjoy doing forever rather than being like, I am going to drive my, I'm going to give this everything for five years and ruin my life and then try and sell it or whatever. But it's like, let's actually build something that is sustainable for the long term. And I think that's where you are. I can't and wait. I'm I, like, please. Yeah. My and problems. so I think that's a really good recommendation for anyone else who's like building something right now, like will help you delegate and take things off your plate and and learn how to do that in a really tactical way. I love it. I mean, I've said this on the podcast a million times, but you guys need to listen to Female Founder World. It is so valuable. I listen to it all the time. And from a community aspect, like really, if you're an active ingredient listener, like go to the Female Founder World events. I might be there. Yeah. (laughs) And just the people that are there are good, good people. They're smart. Yeah. They are ambitious. And like, it's not ambitious with like competitive energy, which is so refreshing. No, like assholes. No assholes. And people are like vulnerably asking questions Mm -hmm. and leaders are vulnerably sharing where they're at. Yes. So I'm a big fan. and I'm so proud of you. I really am. And I'm really grateful of the TBM like push. Good. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. And more importantly, thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself. As always, take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't. 
I would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, because that's the way that the show will continue to grow. And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.